The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Today on Top of the Stretch, a gentleman who wears many hats at the Delaware County Fair, the home of the Little Brown Jug, a resident of Delaware, Ohio, works from offices in Delaware, in his spare time, handles the publicity of the Little Brown Jug. Jay Wolf, welcome to Top of the Stretch. Thanks so much, Roger. I appreciate it. Busy schedule with COVID-19, uh, working from home, and uh, you do have another job besides uh, the Little Brown Jug, don't you? Uh, yes, I'm the marketing uh, manager for the state of Ohio for First Commonwealth Bank. Uh, we have offices in Ashtabula and Stark County and Franklin County, Central Ohio, and then uh, we have offices now in Hamilton and Claremont County. So uh, I said if we could just get Toledo and Marietta filled, I'll have all the corners of the state covered. Uh, you also uh, attended meetings in Pennsylvania. Is there a connection to the nearby state of Pennsylvania? Uh, yes. Uh, First Commonwealth is headquartered in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, so uh, my department, uh, my teammates are all over in the state of Pennsylvania. So uh, I've been spending a lot more time on I-70. And uh, I used to conveniently stop for lunch or have dinner in uh, Washington, PA. So Occasionally made a trip to the Meadows. That's correct. <laughs> You went to Muskingum College, and right out of college, uh, did you go to work for the the bank in Delaware? Yes, uh, I worked for Delaware County Bank. Uh, When I was a sophomore in college, uh, I worked as a summer intern, and uh, after I graduated, uh, I stayed on uh, on the staff at uh, Delaware County Bank, uh, our marketing director, retired after 35 years, and they asked if I would take over on an interim basis as marketing director for Delaware County Bank, and uh, uh, one one month led to two months, and two months led to three months, and after about six months, I asked the president, I said, uh, what's going on? And he says, well, we've been looking, but you've been doing a nice job, so we want to know if you'll keep on that role for a while, and uh, this year, this May will be 30 years, so. Wow. Um, <laughs> you graduated from Muskingum. Your yep. wife Susan from Wright State. Your That's son correct. Jack is going to Miami, and Sydney has just been accepted to Otterbein. Yeah, it's kind of so, unusual that you have four family members in all different colleges. Yeah, uh, you know it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, here, my wife and I thought we were a few months away from being empty nesters for a while, but uh, thanks to the pandemic, uh, we're all working from home now. Uh, Jack's working out of the basement. My daughter's working out of her room. My wife take, took the dining room, and I took the spare bedroom. So uh, we have all four four corners of our house taken. So uh, it's been a unique time. How in the world, now you got these four colleges, how did you become such a fan of Notre Dame football? Well, of course, I mean, you're, you're a Catholic family and, uh, uh, 
I, I remember growing up, my my parents would go to Cleveland to watch Notre Dame play Navy, and and uh, I, I've attended at least one football game at Notre Dame every year since 1984. Uh, I've seen more I've seen more Notre Dame versus Michigan games than I have Ohio State versus anybody. Uh, it's just one of those things where you know you become a fan, and you know I'm a lifelong fan, so. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, I think I might have tickets for the Clemson-Notre Dame game this fall. So uh, hopefully this virus will get out of here and it won't affect college football this year. Your father, John, was a member of the Delaware County Fair Board. What was your first recollection as a youngster of the Delaware County Fair and the Little Brown Jug? Yeah, uh, my dad was an attorney in town, and he was a – frustrated farmer. Uh, he wanted to be a farmer in the worst way. So uh, he bought his first racehorse in 1969 and trotter by the name of Quandry. And uh, Doug Duber trained him and Russ Baldwin was our driver. So that tells you how long it's been. But uh, uh, my dad would spend weekends up at, up at a farm that he bought. And we became friends with the Beaver family and the Walters and the Dubers. And so you know, every every night in the summer, my dad would have dinner, and he says, hey, do you want to run the Plain City to the fair, or do you want to go to Salina? So-and-so's got a horse in. So uh, he and I went to a lot of the fairs together. Uh, there's a picture of me inside of Downs in diapers. Uh, so uh, it's, that's how my first interest in the sport became about. But uh, my dad was on the fair board, and he was in charge of the pig and lamb sales. So I, I remember following him around and and doing whatever was asked there, uh, you know. So my first my first jug was 1981. Uh, we owned a box 435 uh, in the new edition, which the first year for the new edition was 1980. So uh, as an 11-year-old, that was my first jug, and obviously fan hand over in an accident. So it was definitely a memorable year. You know, in the last uh, fantasy race I did was uh... – Philly and Mayor Pace, and I can remember almost every step of that fan Hanover win, and uh, a lot of people uh, had the opinion that uh, the only reason she won was because of the accident, and Glenn mm-hmm. avoided that accident, but the way I saw the race, Glenn was out moving well before the accident, and I think she would have won regardless. Yeah. Uh, but coming into Delaware, I think she threw a big mile out at the Meadows. So you would have seen her a week or two before the jug, but she had a tremendous mile. And I've seen interviews with Dr. Brown, and he says, you know, basically after that race at the Meadows, he knew that she was jug worthy. So uh, You mentioned Dr. Brown, a member of the Jug Wall of Fame. And mm-hmm. the association that he has had with Delaware over the years, uh, after and before uh, Fan Hanover, but it takes us back to the mayor's breakfast in Delaware. <laughs> so many years that was held, yep. and you were in charge of that mayor's breakfast, weren't you? Yeah, I was in charge for about 15 years. Uh, much like the jugs, no one ever says, what year did you go? You never say, I went in 1981. You say, I go the year Fan Hanover won. Uh, my first year would have been the year Corwin Nixon was inducted, and my last year was Ron Waples. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I did it for a number of years. Uh, it was great. 
it was my responsibility to let the uh, honorees know that they were being inducted. So you're, you're, you know, you're bearer of great news, but then you also have to say, oh, and by the way, we need you there at 7 a.m. on Wednesday. And that usually got a couple of groans, but it was a, it was a great event. We would have it at Ohio Wesleyan, uh, the campus of Ohio Wesleyan University. And uh, it was a great event. Uh, I attended the Graduate School of Banking in Madison, Wisconsin for three years. So it was hard to prep for that event when I was in, you know, in the state of Wisconsin. So I stepped down uh, the first year I had to go to the Graduate School of Banking, but uh, it was a great association. Uh, I loved it. It was uh, it was really neat to see the the honorees outside of the sport. Uh, you know, you would go to their house and conduct interviews. Uh, I was an honorary member of Lebanon, Ohio, one day when uh, Corwin's family took me around to, you know, their homes and their places of work, and and it was it was just it was neat to get to know the honorees personally. One recollection that I have of the mayor's breakfast, and it wasn't held at the student union, but it was in another building on the campus, and it was the year mm-hmm. that Stanley Dancer was <laughs> inducted into the Wall of Fame, and they had a carriage that they brought him to the event, and that carriage and horse actually came up on the stage, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that that, uh, that event was that event was held at the. Uh, Gordon Fieldhouse, which is uh, right next to the basketball arena, it's indoor track and field. So, uh, yeah, you're right. They have a they have a garage door, and they opened it, and uh, uh, they brought the horse and carriage in from outside, and they literally took it right up onto the stage. You're correct. Uh, also, about that year, I think Stanley Dancer went through every horse the man ever owned. And he had a two minute story about every horse he owned. You could just see the the uh, individual in charge of it back then, he, you could just see him say, oh, my God, we, ha- we only have this place for a couple hours. <laughs> so it was that if, was another memorable remember, breakfast. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Dancer went so long in his acceptance speech, like you said, covering every horse, they took the, the horse back up on the stage with the gentleman <laughs> who was driving hoping that that would signal to the dancer it's time to wrap things up, but it did. He just kept right on going. No, he kept on going, and finally I think someone literally stood next to him and started talking <laughs> when he was speaking. So, uh, But uh, those are all great memories. It was a great event. Uh, it's been replaced now. They do the induction ceremony Tuesday night at the log cabin, and uh, 7 o'clock on Tuesday is much better than 7 a.m. on Wednesday. But uh, it, it's, uh, it was a neat those, – those breakfasts were very neat and special events. You have been heavily involved in photography and in association with Barry and Brad Conrad. How did this uh, photographer's thing get started with you? Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, is uh, Brad and I went to Muskingum College together, but we really didn't know each other. And uh, – and about 10 years, 10 years ago, I, I just bought a camera. My wife and I, you know, we, with the kids, we just bought a camera and, and I'll never forget. I took it to the Marysville fair, the union County fair in Marysville. And I just started taking pictures and, and I have, I have no talent. I have no training. I just did it for something to do. It was something to kill the 15 minutes between races at, at a County fair. And, uh, and I, I leave the pros. I mean, Brad is a dear friend of mine, and people will come up to me at the race and say, "Hey, you mind giving me get a picture of the four horse in the next race?" I said, "Sir, I'm not the track photographer. You're going to have to talk to Brad Conrad." And 
And uh, Brad gives me tips and hints and that kind of stuff, but I just do it for fun. Um, I, I shoot drivers and I shoot horses' heads. Uh, you know, I have a lot more people saying, boy, I wish I had a picture of Brady Galliers or I wish I had a picture of Tyler Rush. Well, I probably do because I shoot a lot of trainers. I shoot warming up. I shoot a lot of drivers and I shoot a lot of horses' heads. There's, there's, there's nothing better than a, ho- a close up of a horse's head with his tongue tied and sticking out. And people always think that's funny. And, you know, so, uh, no, Br- Brad and I are dear friends and, you know, we try to hang out together outside of the races, but uh, I, I definitely leave that up to him. One of the big things you do each year is the, the press book uh, leading up to the jug yep. and you update all those statistics. The unknown fact, a lot of people think that I got those statistics in the back of my head and I remember them all. <laughs> but if it wasn't for your press book and updating of those statistics, I'd be lost uh, during a racing yeah. program. Yeah, uh, we, you and I have the traditional handoff on Saturday morning of uh, before the jug starts. I'll hand you a three-ring binder, and uh, and uh, that all started because of you, Roger. Uh, in 1997, I was sitting there watching the races on Sunday, and David Miller won his seventh race. And the track or the track announcer, who will remain nameless, says, "We think that's a record." And I said to my mom, "I said that's kind of embarrassing. They think it's a record." And I ran into you, maybe it was at the Brown Jug restaurant or somewhere after the races, and I asked you, I said, weren't you a little embarrassed to say we think it's a record? And you said, honestly, Jay, no one can tell me if it is or isn't. So I went ahead and made the announcement. And I think I vowed to you. I said, when you come back next year, Roger, I'll have the answer. And uh, my office is right in downtown Delaware, and it was within a block and a half of the library. So during the winter, when there's nothing to do, I would just grab a sandwich and walk down to the library, and I started looking up all the old jug races from 1939 until the present. And I started putting them in a database, and I said, well, now that I have this, what can I do? And, you know, so uh, one thing led to another, and next thing you know, I have about 15 three-ring binders in my bedroom here, and all that information is on, uh, on my computer. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm a stats guy. So numbers, I love numbers. So One thing, when we talk about Delaware and the jug and races as such, do you have a favorite memory of the Delaware County Fair or harness racing? Not necessarily a race, but a, a favorite memory of the Delaware County Fair? Yeah, Um this one, you know, this one's sometimes a tearjerker. Uh, you know, my, our, our box seat was at the top of the steps. You know, when you when you first walk in the gates of the grandstand, when you walked up that that staircase, our box was the very the first one at the very top of the stairs. So it was nothing that you know I would go get something to drink, come back, and there would be someone sitting there. Uh, I'm not I'm not a box seat police. If someone's sitting there, you know, God bless them and. Uh, there was a gentleman sitting there and I said to him, I said, you know, he, he apologized. I said, no, you're fine. And he goes, you know, I don't get around very well. You know, my seats are up there. He said, he pointed to section J and he says, my seats are up there for tomorrow. But I just, if I, if I could sit here, I don't have to go up and down the steps. I said, that's fine. So we started talking and he had a Molson Canadian hat on, which is a beer company up in Canada. Well, I left, came back, and he was gone, but he left his jacket there. And uh, so I just put the jacket in my car, and the next day I went and I started walking up and down Section J, and sure enough, he was sitting there, and I handed him his jacket, and the gentleman started crying. 
And he says, you don't realize how important this jacket is to me. I thought I lost it forever. And he explained that his wife gave him that jacket and that this was the first jug that he attended without her. And he was just floored that I would take the time to find him. And he says, how did you ever find me and all these people? And I said, well, you said yesterday your seats were in Section J. And I said, it's not many people that have a Molson Canadian hat. And he laughed. I laughed. I wished him well. I left. Well, about six weeks later, I get a package in the mail. And uh, I open it up, and it's a Molson Canadian hat. And he says, now you have one of your very own. He says, I'll look forward to seeing you this year or next year at Delaware. So the next year I put my hat on and I walked up and around Section J and I did not find him. So uh, he was an older gentleman. So hopefully, uh, you know, it's one of those stories that, you know, a friendship was made after a brief encounter in my box seat. And it was it was just a fun story. And I still have the Molson Canadian hat. Uh, you know, I still – when you walk by Section J, I look up just to see if for some chance you might be there 25 years later. But uh, uh, it was a fun story. Your father, John, was a member of the Little Brown Jug Society, and now you're a member of the Little Brown Jug Society. Uh, yep. Big emotional event, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, my, my, I mean, my father, when he was when he was told that he was asked to be a member it was very personal to him. And uh, I remember him telling my mom that he, he finally felt important. Um, And so uh, when I was told uh, you and I were told the same time and uh, I'll admit I had to uh, go behind the tote board to compose myself after that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, obviously you like to follow in your father's footsteps and this was something he and I did together during the summers and, you know, it was it, it's it's a lot of fun and it's truly an honor. When we started talking about doing this podcast, you said uh, I'll have to come up with a favorite food because everybody of late has said it's steak. So you yeah, two days to think about it. Besides <laughs> steak, what's your favorite food? Yeah. Oh, I lo- I love pizza. Uh, you know, pizza is easy. Uh, you can get it in different areas of the country and get different varieties. Uh, my my wife's family's from Dayton, so I know your favorite is uh, Marion's Pizza. That's definitely good. Uh, my son went to school at St. Charles, which is the all boys high school in Columbus, and there's a there's a pizza shop in, down in that area called Planks. And I tell you what, I the other night my son said something about getting pizza and he, he drove 45 minutes one way just to get pizza and, and uh, place is definitely very good. So uh, we have some good pizza shops here in town too, but uh, I like pizza. Besides harness racing, your favorite sport? To watch. I love college sports to watch. Uh, I attend almost all the Ohio Wesleyan university home men's basketball games. Uh, I love watching. I love watching college sports in person, uh, less on television. But uh, I like to play golf. Uh, but uh, yeah, college sports. Favorite vacation spot? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I've been to Ireland, and I know you're a fan of Ireland. We loved Ireland uh, last summer. My wife and I, and my daughter and my father-in-law went to Hawaii. That was fun. 
But uh, for a family vacation, we love uh, Marco Island, Florida. Uh, we've been there a couple times. I think we've been there three times, and it's it's a lot of fun. Is there anything on your bucket list for the future that you haven't experienced already? Uh, my horse racing bucket list would include, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, for some reason, I always said I want a seat. Uh, I don't want to be in the infield, so I, I'm putting that off until I can get a good seat. Uh, I'd like to see the uh, Gold Cup and Saucer. I would love to go up to Prince Edward Island for a few days. Um, thanks to your thanks to your uh, thoughts, uh, I'd like to go back to Ireland to spend a day or two at the Delaney Memorial just to watch the races. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd like to go to Prince Edward Island to the races. I'd like to go to the Derby and then go back to Ireland. When we were in Ireland, we just happened. I'm using air quotes here. I just happened to stumble upon the race meet in Killarney. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you knew damn well they were racing in Killarney this day. And I said, yeah, that's why we're staying at our bed and breakfast across the street from the track. But uh, uh, the thoroughbred races at Killarney were a lot of fun. So, The road trips that you've taken with Phil Terry in recent years, does one of those yeah. road trips stand out? Well, it started it, – the whole horse racing road trip started out – uh, my wife would always go to Florida during July, and I said, well, I am not going to Florida in July. Uh, that's too daggone hot for me, but she would go down to visit her girlfriends. And so one year I went to Buffalo Raceway. I went to Woodbine, Woodstock, Dresden, and drove home. Uh, but lately, it's uh, Phil Terry and I, we've been going up to Canada. Two years ago, we went up to Clinton, uh, to the Clinton Raceway, to their uh, Legends Day. And uh, we actually got to, you know, obviously that was John Campbell's last drive, but uh, Phil and I drove up for that. Uh, it was it was interesting, Roger. There was there was eight drivers participating, and then there was a couple of the gentlemen who didn't participate that were still there. So, you know, between Keith Waples, Ron Waples, David Miller, John Campbell, uh, Mike Lachance, and Bill O'Donnell, there was 18 little brown jugs, and so it was it was pretty neat standing there talking to them and. Uh, it was it was neat to see see, see the guys uh, you know still in the bike. I was at one Legends Day, and the the greatest moment for me that day was uh, reuniting with Keith Waples, and uh, yeah. he was truly a, a great and uh, had a tremendous career, and he's still uh, well. He's in his nineties now, I do believe, and. I haven't seen him yeah. uh, since that time. I made the trip to Clinton. Uh, how was Keith doing when you were up there? Oh, it was. I, I tell you what, uh, you know, John Campbell, Keith Waples, and those guys—they could run for Parliament up there. Uh, they do an autograph session before the race, and I was like, you know, it can't be that long. Well, the line was stretched around the grandstand, and it, I mean. Uh, Ian, Ian Fleming, who's on the Jug Society with us, does a fabulous job with that event. Uh, it raises a lot of money for the local community there in Clinton. I think the year we were there, they sold T-shirts. They have a chicken barbecue. You know, they do an auction. They do the autograph session. It's just, it's just, it's just a neat setting. Uh, you know, it's not often you're going to get, uh, you know, David Miller, Campbell, Lachance, and O'Donnell and Waples and them together in one area. And it was very relaxed, and they're joking. They're they're 
ribbing each other. It was just a, it was a really neat event. We're going to wrap things up and want to thank you for being our guest today on Top of the Stretch. But our final question we'll put to you, your proudest moment in your life. Uh, I was, it would probably be my family. And uh, I know that's somewhat cliche, but uh, I was on a, I was on a nonprofit board. And when, when my wife and I found out we were expecting our first son or first child, and the director looked at me and he says, once you have a child, you'll know why you were put on this earth. And, you know, at the time I'm like, yeah, that's pretty corny. But then, you know, uh, my son was born on jug day. He, uh, my son was born on jug day in 1999. And, and, uh, you're right. I mean, once you're, once they, the nurse hands you a child and says, here you go, it's yours. Uh, it's, you know, it, you kind of, you know, it kind of changes your perspective in life. And, and it's a, it's a lot of fun, you know, sitting at lacrosse games and cross country meets and tennis matches and, and dance recitals. I mean, you know, looking back on it now, I, you know, you kind of wish you appreciated things more, but uh, definitely a lot of fun. So uh, probably I'd say family. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association.